So we're going to go ahead and jump right into this. And we're going to look at the, the phrase that I hear all the time on the news mainly. Almost any time anybody's rioting or protesting or, or any time something happens, they, they, uh, some social injustice in the world or, or something that takes place, and, and somebody will make the statement, well, aren't we all God's children? Aren't we all the children of God? And that sounds great, doesn't it? The problem with that is, is that it's not found anywhere in the Bible. Now, we'll, we'll preface it by saying that we all are created by God. Every single one of us is created by God. We are created on purpose, and we are created for a purpose. But we, that does not make us children of God. We need to understand what the Bible says, because the way that this gets manipulated is that it, it plants the seeds in somebody's mind that if, if I am God's child, then just by my kinship, by my heritage, I'm worthy of a place with my father. And it sends a tainted message to people that, that God would never send one of his children to hell, which that is a true statement. God never sends his children to hell. The problem is we're not God's children, at least not initially. Let's look in John chapter number 8, verse number 44. If we're not God's children, whose children are we? Well, technically, we're, we're children of the world. But at one point, Jesus is talking to, to some of the religious of that time, and he's calling them out because uh, although it doesn't mean direct kinship, it, it means it implies in this verse who they act like. In John chapter 8, verse 44, he says, Ye are the, of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. So if we don't have a heavenly father, if we really want to attach ourselves to some entity, the entity that we are most closely associated with before we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior is Satan because we act like him. We live like him and we lie like him. And that's what, what he's saying here in the book of John, what Jesus is trying to tell us in, in verse number 44 is that, that your father's the devil. Why? Because you act like him. In other words, your allegiance or you've aligned yourself with him and you're acting like him. So if we have to align ourselves before we're saved with some entity, the closest entity the Bible gives us is Satan. Now, like I said, I don't believe that, I, well, I know this doesn't mean that he is our, our actual father. In other words, Satan did not create us. Satan did not spawn us. What it's talking about here is that we are like him. We're acting like he's our father. And these people were acting like he is the, their father. We are children of the world, in essence, this sinful, dying, corrupt world. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 and 2 says, and, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, where in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. So here he's, he's talking again about where we, where we came from. And he's saying that we came from the prince of the power of the air. Who is the prince of the power of the air? Again, that's Satan. He's saying we walked after him. And we were children of disobedience. But look at the first part of that. He says, you he, hath he quickened. That word quickened is a, a very interesting word. It means to take something that was never alive and make it alive. We see it in horror movies all the time on TV, right? Something that's supposed to be dead and or never was alive and suddenly it's made alive. Uh, the Beauty and the Beast, the cartoon, had a lot of quickening in there. 
were these things, which I guess technically they were people that were turned into things. So that doesn't really apply now that I think about it, but just go with me. See, when you get your theology from Disney movies, sometimes it just dawns on you that that was not the best idea. But it's to take something. So, so if, if this chair became alive today, it's never been alive, we would say it's quickened. It was made alive. So it's a word that we don't use very much for obvious reasons. But it's used very much in the word of God because this is exactly what he did to us. He took us, children of Satan, the children of disobedience, the dead of this world, and he made us alive. He quickened us. So even though it's a word we don't use very much, it is the perfect word for this example because this is what he's doing to us. Let's, let's take it a step further. Romans 8, 15, he says, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. You see, we are not the children of God because we are born into this world. We are not the children of God because we are created by God. We are not the children of God because we're created with a purpose by God. We are the children of God. If you're a child of God, you were made a child of God by the adoption of the Holy Spirit. You were adopted into the family of God. Do you see the difference there? This is an important distinction. Some people say, well, does it really matter? It matters immensely because now we understand that it's not because of us that we become children of God. It's because of what he did. He gave us the power. He gave us the power to be adopted into his family. It's because of what he did. The child does not adopt the parents. The parent adopts the child. It has to be done with authority. It's not just something that can be done randomly. It's not something where the parent can say, okay, I want to adopt you or I want to adopt you, there has to be some power, some authority behind that adoption. Now, in, a, in the, the physical sense, that power usually comes from, from the state. Just like when somebody gets married, they say, you, uh, by the power invested in me in the state, by the state of Florida, or something along those lines. The same, in essence, it's the same type of a thing when children are adopted. The power, they're adopted by the power of the state. Well, we aren't adopted by the flawed power of the state. We're adopted by the power of the Holy Spirit into the family of God. And I love that last part, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. That word Abba, it's a, a very personal form of father. Because, you know, most kids don't call their, their father's father, do they? That's kind of a personal, an impersonal way to, to, maybe when they're talking about them, they might say, my father. But when they go to them, Rachel, what, what do the kids call Justin. They don't call him father. They don't walk in the room and say, Father, I have an issue. <laughs> I don't think my teacher knows what she's doing. They're homeschooled, by the way. They don't, that's, that's not how the kids talk, right? I've never heard them talk that way because that would be really weird. So what do they say? Dad, Daddy, something along those lines. And impersonally, that's what Abba is. He uses the word father there, so we understand, but, but that's an impersonal use of the word father. So in essence, it's calling him dad or daddy something along those lines i love that because you know our, our heavenly father the world envisions god as this this mean thing 
sitting on a cloud with lightning bolts, ready to, to throw them down every time one of his children makes a mistake. And they, they think that Christians live in fear of rebuke by God all the time. And I don't live in fear of rebuke from God any more than I did my earthly parents. Because, you know, you knew that was a possibility if you did something wrong. But you didn't go home every day, at least I hope you didn't go home every day, thinking, wonder what I'm going to get beat for today. I wonder what I'm going to get electrocuted for today. I know some kids do live that way, and that's a tragedy, but that's not the way most kids live. Most kids, they see their dad, and they're like, they're happy to see their dad. Even they know dad's usually the one that dispenses the punishment. When they do deserve it, they still love their dad because dad's also the dad of love. And that's our picture with God, that, that when we go before God, we, we don't go fearing retribution, fearing punishment. We go before, before him as daddy. That's why we're able to, to walk boldly into his throne room, because he's our father. It's not somebody that we have to make an appointment to see. It's not something that we have to stay on hold for hours to try and talk to, if we ever get to talk to him. He's our dad. You walk into his office. You walk into his throne room. John chapter 1, verse 12 and 13 says, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name which were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. You see this? This is Jesus Christ. Well, this is talking about Jesus Christ here in John chapter number 1. And they're saying, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. It seems pretty simple to me. That if you need power to become something, you're not already that thing. Maybe you want to politics. You've got a lot of politics going on right now. There's elections going on and things. And people want to become a senator or they want to become a representative. Well, they need the votes of the people. They need things to happen in order for them to have the power for that to take place. They can't just wake up one day and say, you know what? Today, I'm a senator. I was born a senator. It doesn't work that way. They become. They need some type of power. There has to be something that, that moves that. And here it tells us that all we have to do is receive him. And, and he gives us the power to become the sons of God. This is an important distinction. Because if we don't understand this distinction, it can also confuse us in other places of the Bible. Because there's a couple of places in the Bible where it talks about Jesus Christ being the only begotten, or the only begotten son, or the only begotten of the Father. And he uses that term. And, and again, it's a term we don't use a lot, but it's a perfect term in this sense. Because when it says that he's the only begotten son, what does that mean? It means that he's the only offspring, if you will. In other words, the only one that, that shares the same essence as, as him. So if you have two children and one of them gave birth to and the other one you adopted, although they are both your child, right? But one has your DNA and the other one doesn't. Now that doesn't make him less your child, but there's a distinction there. One shares your essence. One shares your DNA. And as close as we can come in the English language is that word begotten to describe the relationship with, with the son and the father and that they share the same DNA. They share the same essence. That doesn't mean that I'm not a son of God. When, it, when In John 3.16 where he says that he's the only begotten son. By the way, a lot, of, a lot of Bibles, to make themselves easier to read, they've taken out that word begotten. And what happens is now, now the Bible becomes a liar. Because you've got John 1 saying that, that you can become a son of God. And then by the time you get to John 3, it says that he only has one son. 
So there's some confusion there, right? If you take out that word begotten. That word begotten is important because it offers that distinction between the, the son that shares his DNA, that shares his essence, and me. Because when I read John 3.16, I don't wonder if I'm a son of God because it says he's the only begotten. I know I'm a son of God. I'm just not a begotten son. I'm an adopted son. I was a son that was that because he gave me that power, I was able to, to call him today. I'm able to call him Abba, Father. So we need to understand when somebody says, aren't we all the children of God? The simple answer is no, we're not. But you can become a son of God the same way that I became a son of God by accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior, doing exactly what John 1 verses 12 and 13 say, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And then he even clarifies it in case there's any confusion, which were born not of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man. What All those three, three things are basically talking about the same thing. It's how we all were all earthly born. We were born by the will of man. We were born by the will of the flesh. We were born by, the, by blood. He's not saying he's not that kind of a born. This is born of God. Our adoption is of God. Hopefully that clarifies that a little bit for you and you understand a little bit better. Because by saying we're all God's children, it implies a, a, an, an airship that doesn't exist. It implies a, a relationship that doesn't exist. God doesn't refer to the people of this world as his children. He refers to the people of this world as his enemies. There's a huge difference. But he gives us all the ability to become the sons of God. By usurping that step, by changing that, we're, we're, we're finding a different way. Or we're trying to find a different way into his kingdom. And there is no different way. There's one way, and that is through Jesus Christ. That is through the adoption that he paid for on the cross of Calvary.